This podcast is part of the A3K Network. For more information, visit www.anime3000.com. Warning. The views and opinions expressed by this producer are not necessarily the views and opinions expressed by Anime 3000, its producers, partners, or affiliates. Listener discretion is advised. Okay, you didn't do it. You're supposed to harmonize, Max. Let's get in the game here. Oh. Hello. 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 God damn it. We'll, we'll have to actually coordinate this beforehand. Okay, apparently you can't harmonize on the fly. Hi, and welcome to the other side. I'm Cody Beyer. And I'm completely unmusical Max Vader. All right. Folks, today... We're not going to be trolling, and I say that because we're going to get accused of it. Today we're not trolling. Today we're not being contrary, and today we're not trying to send any kind of message. Today we're not trying to make any kind of a point. The only thing we're trying to say today is something we believe to be true, that inexplicably we seem to be the few that believe this. So basically just like every other podcast we've ever done. Yeah, this is something that... Um, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. The, the, the world has made me feel like I'm taking crazy pills. Gee, Cody, why do you think that? Because I this seems to be like an obvious truth to me and to Max and to others. Uh, surprisingly, you know, more people than I thought, thankfully. But, you know, to us it seems to be an obvious truth. But to everyone else... It everyone else apparently didn't get the memo or is seeing something we're not. And I'm not talking about the appeal of My Little Pony Friendship is Magic. I'm talking about the appeal of a certain anime director by the name of Hayao Miyazaki. Oh no, you didn't. Yeah, I went on this on the if you look if you go and listen to the overrated uh anime episode of the A3K podcast, I touched on this and I'm going to touch on it a little more here. You see, folks, Hayao Miyazaki is often regarded as the greatest director in all of anime, one of the great uh animation directors of all time. So many people cite him as an influence. He's won so many awards, got his dick sucked thoroughly by both critics and other people in the industry and all this shit and for the life of me i can't figure out why you see all of his movies tend to be generally the same thing there's some kind of field trip or adventure through some very pretty scenery the very wafer thin plot um very dial you know color by numbers characters um it's just there, there doesn't seem to be any meat to his movies at all, and yet he's regarded so highly. And this baffles me. This boggles my mind. Like, how does this guy get treated as such a visionary when he's basically – this feels like uh, – I don't even know how to describe it. This is like color – it is color by numbers shit. I mean, even like – well, we'll get into all the aspects – but his plots are very simplistic, and there's a lot of goofy shit that people just don't address that we're going to address. 
I guess because, you know, in order to praise Miyazaki, you can't bring this shit up. But since we have no intention of praising him, we'll be bringing this shit up. Well, if he does it, it's creative. Yeah. Um, creative? There's nothing creative about this man. He just knows how to make things look pretty. But at the end of the day, there's nothing creative about this man. And he's more than a little bit of a prick, uh, as we'll get into. Uh, so, really, there's no redeeming qualities for this zombie. He can't really make that good of a movie, and he's a bit of an asshole. So, we're going to get into all of that. So, I think first we should start at the thesis of... The, well, we kind of got into the thesis a little bit, but uh, to expand on it. You see, Hayao Miyazaki has a formula. And to his credit, I th- I do believe he's like some kind of master con man. And I know this is people, <laughs> people saying I'm looking down on others like you're a fool for liking his movies. But it really is. I mean, I- I've mentioned before I studied on a lot of things to learn to tell a story and depict things and, and write and all that. And I also studied marketing. And I studied marketing in order to tell a better story so that I could sell my stories, not just, you know, sell it like for money, although I plan on doing that. I mean, like, hook the audience, you know, learn about demographics and all that shit. And in learning these things, when in studying, you know, storytelling elements and demographics and marketing, I've learned a lot of things about uh, audience manipulation, because that's what writing is. It's audience manipulation. You develop a sequence of events that the audience responds to either subconsciously or consciously in a way you want them to. Uh, You would, I mean, there's obvious examples. You craft a villain to make him hateable. You know evil deeds to make the villain do because you know the reaction you want to get from your audience. And there's also other subtle things like uh, pacing a relationship between two characters so that when you advance that relationship, you know exactly when to do it right. And if you do it right, the audience will have the exact reaction you want them to. You can get people invested in a fictional romance through basic uh, pacing and planning. That's, I mean, that's all a uh, love story is at its core, is the author is pacing and planning it properly. Uh, assuming it's a good love story. If it's a bad love story, you know, it's not going to be. Also, there's believability, which is unobvious, but I'm talking just from a, let's say, marketing standpoint. And knowing these things, Miyazaki, I can commend him, you know, coming from that angle. He's very good at sort of exploiting that knee-jerk feel, want, want that people have, especially uh, older folks, to feel like a kid again. He is very good at tapping into that uh, sort of fond, childhood fondness. The, my issue with him is that he stops there. That's pretty much as far as he goes. He relies on that. Uh, his movies are basically Pixar without the plot. I mean, there's there's no really where else to put it. He, his, I mean, again, we will get into specific examples, especially for some, a couple of his most prominent movies. But basically, what he does is he will put a lot of fucking money in the backgrounds. He will get a sweeping score. He will make sure that there's one scene where you're flying and wee, it's magical. Uh, you get a young protagonist. Because if you notice, nobody in Miyazaki's movies, no main character is over the age of 18, except for maybe Porco Rosso, but of course he had a young companion. Uh, you get these young protagonists, you know, you get at least one shot of them going, wow. Uh, 
it's 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 very you know once you know the formula it it not only is it is it impossible to get sucked into the whole thing but then it actually becomes a little bit irksome and don't forget the wacky magical creatures oh yeah I don't know where anyone got an idea that this is something like I, I don't know why people are so like wowed by this I truly don't I truly like like this isn't me like saying y'all suck I'm just stunned I I'm confused because his Magical characters and magical creatures have very, very basic designs. Very, very basic. I mean, any anyone who has any rudimentary knowledge of character design can take one look at this shit and see that he cranked this out in like an afternoon. Like, spirited away. There's a witch, but she's got a really big head. <laughs> design process over. I mean, that that's it. I mean, you have like, oh, it's a... It, it looks like a giant deer. Oh, deer. it's a black thing with a mask. Creativity. Yeah, it's a black blob with a mask on. <laughs> and there's another thing. It's a giant glowing deer. And there's another thing. It's a guy. He's got four arms. You're not supposed to have four arms. That's just you're supposed to have two arms. I mean, obviously, there's a little more than that, but not a whole lot. Yeah, you'll see basic is another word for lazy. The yeah. other side, teaching you language lessons. Yeah. I mean, this, like, uh, like this one character speared away, if I remember correctly, it's been a while. If I remember correctly, he had, like, four arms and a mustache. Something like that. Yeah, no. something along those lines. Yeah, I... that was about it. I mean, there, was, there wasn't a whole lot else there. I mean, these characters are very, very, very basic. All he'll do, he'll, he'll take one thing and make it silly. I've he'll give, like, blocked again, out but... most of my memories from that movie. I mean, like, Spirit Away, a witch, but she's got a giant head. And, and she's it. ugly. Oh, oh, of course. But then again, witch, so you can't really give him credit for that. Witch with a giant head, and she's got a baby. But the baby's a giant baby. It's a big baby. Design process over. I mean, this isn't terribly creative here. And then people say, well, it's based on this. Well, that makes it worse. <laughs> if it's based on some kind of folklore or something, which means he couldn't even come up with a concept. I mean, I'm not expecting every uh, film or anime or whatever to have, like, an original concept never before seen. But if you're going to treat someone like a visionary genius, their material should seem like something that someone who's called a visionary genius should be producing. Yeah, I mean, saying it's uh, it's taken from this or inspired by that, this is sort of like if you drink some sort of new brand of Pepsi, and then you say, man, this tastes actually really shitty. And then some guy says, but they got stole the idea for that formula from Coke. It's like, okay, does that make it better? Yeah, that's that was like... And... and I mean, this a, a lot of it's just very simple looking. I mean, you could say there's a charm to that. Fine, I can't argue that if you find that charming, but that's not terribly creative. Um, I would point to Ichiro Oda all day long if you want to talk creative. No one makes cre- character designs more creative than that some bitch. Uh, even Akira Toriyama, his non-human designs, his human designs tend to run together, but his non-human designs are one of a kind. That's creative. Hayao Miyazaki is very, very basic. I mean, the only you can't if you if it wasn't for the fact that all his movies were done by Studio Ghibli and thus his production it, productions are associated with Studio Ghibli's in-house art style, you would not be able to tell he did something. Uh, if you were to have him direct a live-action movie, say, um, 
The only way you could tell he did it is there's a flying scene because that's his directorial trademark. <laughs> like if you you could not tell his shit apart if it wasn't for a few key features that he holds on to. And to his credit, he holds on to it. He is very good at at maintaining his image, and for that I will give him all the credit in the world. But as a storyteller, he's crap because that's what's important to me. At the, so, at the end of the day, it's about the story. So if Miyazaki is beloved because he makes like pretty shit and has like basic character designs and isn't also terribly good, doesn't that kind of make him like Japanese Lauren Faust? <laughs> like, I mean, we have things here that are superficially pretty, but pretty lazily made, more or less, and really, really popular for no inexplicable reason. And yeah, I'll, I'll I'll go for it. Sure, let's do it. Let's do that. Um, but what gets me, uh, with I mean that it, he when you really break down academically his work, and don't tell me you're not supposed to, because that just forfeits the argument right there that he is he there is any quality in his work. Uh, when you look at his work academically, it's it's simple minded. It's basic. I mean, what was it? Ponyo? That was, I mean, yeah, Ponyo. I, I, that movie was insultingly simple. I mean, that felt like, like an early 80s animated movie, just that plot. It's like, I, 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 it's a whole movie where in your mind you're going, and? Like, okay, <laughs> water, fish girl, whatever the fuck, go on a quest, and, and she goes on it, and, and she gets there, and, and she wins, and, I mean, there's these, you know, I I don't understand how his characters often seen as memorable and these like people get so caught up in this shit because really it's just it's just an excuse to go through some pretty backgrounds and make you go, wow, and and try to uh, inspire like childhood feelings, I guess, like. Make you feel like a kid again, which is all fine and dandy, but if you don't have anything else going for you besides trying to make you feel like a kid again, that's not really a good movie. It's just a, a 60-minute marketing tactic. Yeah, by the way, Ponyo was <clears throat> inspired by The Little Mermaid. Oh, that's right, yeah. Inspired by him. <laughs> like, if you're not ripping off Japanese myths, you got to rip off Germany. <laughs> Fucker. <laughs> now it's personal. Um, yeah, there is. Oh my god! But also one of the things that we have to talk about is that he's a gigantic prick. Um, well, first of all, his movies have these heavy-handed messages that no one ever seems to want to talk about. I think again, it's one of those things. I think there might be some kind of almost. I feel Alex Jonesy here for thinking maybe there's some kind of conspiracy to prop him up. Uh, maybe he's the one putting fluoride in the water. I don't know. Um. Because there's like these seem to be things that you're not allowed to talk about. The you know, government like, is putting fluoride in our water to make us think Hayao Miyazaki is not a vegan pussy. <laughs> I mean, I feel to homogenize us. I feel like uh, I feel like a right wing talk uh, talk radio guy was like, if you know, if the other, someone else was doing this, you wouldn't be giving him a pass. But you're giving him a pass because he you like him or whatever. Because that's right what feel- side. Yeah, <laughs> that's what that's what it's, uh, that's what it feels like. Like they give him a pass. Like we're not gonna we're not gonna um, even address the fact that uh, Princess Mononoke was Japanese fern gully. It was so fucking heavy handed. 
We're not even gonna, we're not even gonna address the whole, no face copies what he sees, and he turned violent because he copied the evils of capitalism. Or whatever the fuck that was, and then the whole, uh, like, he magically lost his memory because he's a water spirit, and they built housing developments on his river, and that took away his memory. Aww. Oh no! Warm your heart. People wanted homes, those bastards. Yeah. Oh, also, I think your Ferngully comparison is kind of unfair. I mean, Ferngully at least had the kind of cool villain. Yeah, like that's what I said in the in the uh, A3K podcast. Ferngully actually has something over Princess Mononoke because Ferngully had Tim Curry in it. Yeah, you know who the vil- who's a villain in Princess Mononoke is? Nobody. Yeah, it's just you gotta go here because you got mad. Bit, you got magic aids, and you gotta go <laughs> do this thing to cure it. Yeah. But mankind is evil and has taken the head of the forest spirit because man is the devil. Yeah. Ooh, you gotta do, oh, the forest spirit, now he's pissed, he's gonna get you. Oh, he's <laughs> life and magic in and the forest. And he kills everything. He's so nice. Yeah, it's like, that, like you know... It's funny because Ferngully subverted its pro-environmental theme by having the incarnation of pollution be so awesome that it made you want to pollute. And that's not even joking. When I was a kid and I saw that, I was like, I want to go litter. <laughs> I mean, this guy's cool. Fuck environmentalists. All these other songs this movie has sucked, and then this guy came in. His song's awesome. Fuck the environment. <laughs> that's not, so it subverted its message by making the sort of uh, anti-role model more appealing this subverted his message by having the the side we're supposed to respect and love come off like a giant asshole it's also pretty hilarious that wikipedia is actually praising him for having no villains in his works because that's like original or something yeah because you know who needs a you know conflict yeah after all that's that's for faggots yeah go curing your magic aids that's a conflict yeah Hayao Miyazaki has important messages and those don't have time for fucking villains you ass you gotta save the trees because if he had a he's actually kind of slick if you think about it because if he had a villain you know he'd make that villain a straw man yeah and then you know Cat would be out of the bag he couldn't he he couldn't uh, fly on the bullshit that he was flying on before well actually probably not because everyone is already a straw man this is true um, I mean, it's, 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 and one of the things that, uh, I mean, I'm not saying every movie has to have a villain, but if you're going to have, say, an epic story, you're going to need some kind of, something for the hero to conquer. That's usually, it's generally why there's an evil overlord. Uh, there's an old saying, uh, what was it, how did it go? Uh, he, like, hero, like, villains act, heroes react. Without, uh, Heroes have morals, villains have work ethic. Without heroes, villains would be running things, but without villains, heroes would stagnate. When you break down the plot of a Hayao Miyazaki movie, you find out just how true that statement is. Because when you have one of his movies without a villain, you're like, I, uh, it's just people running around. And it's, just people. it's not like his heroes have that much personality to begin with. Yeah, it's to not carry like the a- fucking thing. Well, I'm going to compare it to a movie that I that you'd think would have no business comparing it to, but uh, let's compare it to Dumb and Dumber, the Farrelly Brothers comedy Dumb and Dumber. And Dumb and Dumber had a villain, but let's take the villain away for a second because he wasn't even in the movie for a bulk of it. Uh, a lot of it was just these two idiots being idiots, 
And that was entertaining because regardless of, you know, whether you thought the movie was funny or not or whatever, I'm not – I don't care about your personal preference and I know someone – some fucking uh, stuck a faggot's going to say like, oh, you got to validate your opinion. You like this movie but you didn't like Miyazaki. Whatever. My point is you had two characters that were – had an established personality that was in some way, shape or form a form of entertainment in and of itself. Much in the way that we praise Spice and Wolf – you have to have – it's this thing where – because Spice and Wolf does not have villains generally. Sometimes villains pop in for an arc, but they don't stay. Spice and Wolf has no central antagonist, but it manages to fly by on this in a similar way that these villainless moments in Dumb and Dumber fly because the characters are entertaining, and it's fun to just watch them, to watch them do their thing. Now, Dumb and Dumber, like I said, had villains, and when the villains popped up, you know – you had a conflict. Actually, the best moments in that movie were probably the ones that weren't even didn't even involve the villains. It was just those these two idiots being idiots. I mean, if you if you didn't laugh at the we landed on the moon bit, you just you just suck. And that's just the way that's just a way of things. Um, and with Spice and Wolf, it's just a lot of times it's just these two talking, moving from town to town. But they are entertaining personalities. They are well structured characters, so you can just sit and watch them do shit. Because when you have a well-structured character, you don't, you know, you don't need to force too much on them. You just let them, let them be. And Miyazaki doesn't have that. Yeah. And they don't even need to be overtly complex. Like I have an example here, which might be a bit more or less obscure. Like it's a more or less a Spanish comic that has a bit of international popularity called Motadelo y Filemon. And it's about these two bumbling agents who are solving cases. Well, they are supposed to at least. But they're way too goddamn incompetent. Their basic, their personalities are more or less pretty basic if you get really down to it. And there's never an overarching villain. Like, mostly there's a bad guy, but the biggest enemy that they have is actually themselves. And yet it works absolutely perfectly because it's funny. Like, you don't, you don't even, like, you don't even need overtly complex characters or overtly complex villains in order to have something entertaining, but Miyazaki doesn't even manage that. Yeah, it's just uh, the characters seem to be vehicles for their roles. I, I can't even tell you much about their personalities. I mean, y- you're going to have people defend it with basic shit like, oh, she's headstrong. Headstrong does not build a character. Headstrong if, – if, uh, if personality traits are like a meal, headstrong is not a side. It is not meat. It is not the vegetables. It's the salt you sprinkle on something. It's not even an appetizer. Yeah, it's it's a spice. Headstrong is not a personality trait in and of itself. Headstrong is well, it's a personality trait, but it's not a uh, a larger personality element. Yeah. Also, say. you said you said vehicles. I actually think the more appropriate term would be mouthpieces. Why well, don't you say that? Because he's not as preachy all the time as some directors have been in the past. It's not like his characters get up there and espouse anything. But what they do, they simply fill their roles. Um, the main girl from Spirit Away. Notice I don't remember anybody's name. That should be a big tip-off to how <laughs> memorable these characters are. I can't remember a single character's name in any of his movies, except for Ponyo, because it's the fucking title of the movie. You're right. Goddamn. The only thing I remember is the the guy's name from uh, Princess Mononoke. No, wait. Actually, I don't. I only remember her name. Yeah, and it's not even Mononoke. Um, oh. Yeah. What the fuck is that movie called? Why is it called? It, that? Mononoke means something, but I don't remember what it is. It's stupid. 
Um, I don't know why it didn't translate. I think it translates to something. I don't know. Maybe just sound fancier. Fuck if I know. Fuck if I care. Um, but yeah, like, see, the, these characters aren't memorable. They exist as roles for a it, for a performance. This is not a story. It's a performance. Um, a puppet show. Yeah, it's a puppet show where these uh, these roles go from place to place doing the things they're supposed to do. There's very little to them. Uh, there's very little, like we're meant to empathize with them, not because they're people, but because what we see them go through. Uh, the the protagonist of Spirit Away is an excellent example. She's pretty insufferable through most of it. Very whiny, very eh. Um, kind of reminds actually. Uh, now that I think about it, the protagonist Spirit Away reminds me of. Uh, for, I don't know if anybody's seen the gag dubs done by a dude named Weekly Tube Show. Goes by the name Weekly Tube Show or Remix Sprites is another name he goes by. He has some gag dubs. Uh, he's mostly known for the Dragon Ball Z shit where he uh, would make give Piccolo this super black voice, have him talk about his dangling. But he did some uh, dubs of Fist of the North Star, which are hilarious. I highly recommend. It's called Dub of the North Star. Everybody should check it out. And. At one episode, he had this little girl, and the voice he did for the little girl and the performance he did for the little girl is the way I picture the main character from Spirit of the Waiting, uh, when she would whine, Can't! Uh, uh, can't! Won't you come back, can't! That, that is how I picture the girl Spirit of the Waiting. Uh, you turn my parents into pigs! Turn them back! Uh, I gotta work! Like that's see the difference. Yeah, that's her through most of this thing. And the thing is, like, we're not supposed, we're not meant to empathize with her because she's relatable, or she's endearing, or she's entertaining, or she's made, or anything is done to make the audience like her. She's meant to be empathized with because of what happens to her. That she ends up in Japanese Narnia and her parents are taken away. And then we're feeling like, oh, the feeling of being a child in this new situation. That's bullshit. Because this is nothing more than a puppet child. Uh, if it weren't for this situation, we would have no reason to empathize with or like this character. Uh, this is basically like uh, I like to call it Chrono Syndrome. From, if you remember Chrono from Chrono Trigger. Chrono from Chrono Trigger was mute and really didn't do or say much. They really made him an empty character, but the idea was he was supposed to be an audience avatar, which works a little better because that's an, a video game and an entertain, um, entertainment medium. Yeah, and you actually fucking control him. Or, or uh, it's, well, it's, I don't know why I said entertainment medium. I meant uh, like an interactive medium. I brain farted there. But yeah, you control him. So he, you, know, you can imprint yourself on him a little bit, and or at least imprint what you think he'd be like. Yeah, not to mention it's an RPG, so that's kind of the point. Yeah, exactly. Whereas these protagonists in his movies are often very empty as and and kind of pl- tries to play the same thing. Whereas like you're supposed to empathize with them because they're your avatar, they're they're your audience proxy. But they give no reason like as characters for us to empathize with them. I mean, hell, even the Expendables, brainless fucking action movie, uh, designed to be a brainless fucking action movie. Still gave us uh, more likable characters. Gave us more uh, more of a reason to empathize with these characters because they had personalities. It wasn't trying to just uh, give a blank slate for us to imprint ourselves on. It gave us fleshed out characters that that we could get a gist of who they were and then decide whether we liked them or not. And it, it you know went out of its way to present these characters as likable or 
or like an audience's buddy, you know what I mean? Like, like I could hang with that guy, whatever the, you know, case may be. But the, the still what was being done there was it was still, it's built characters. And then the audience could make a judgment on those characters and, you know, choose a proxy or, you know, at least the main character was likable enough to where you could, even if you had another favorite, you could still take him as an audience proxy. Whereas with these films of his, the audience proxy is just some like a very blank character. It's very nothing to them. They're they're not memorable at all. Um, I mean, I they're so not memorable. I don't even remember what the guy from Mon- Princess Mononoke, the main guy, even looks like. Besides the fact that I remember he has dark hair. I think he fires a bow and arrow. <laughs> yeah, and he has uh, pig demon eights on his arm. Yeah, I mean that's that they're 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 not memorable. But the films themselves, to their credit, are memorable. And I mean to their credit not in that they are good movies, but it's that sort of uh, manipulation and marketing that Miyazaki does, where he throws these visuals at you and takes you to all these fa- fa- you know, fancy-looking places and the flying scenes and uh, memorable moments, but not the characters. Sort of like the character is an empty cardboard box and the background with all this pretty shit is some dude waving his arms in the background for attention so that you don't notice that the box is in fact empty. Yeah. Uh, and that, that's, that's probably the biggest problem I have with his movies, and that's why I will flat out say I think he's a hack. I really do think he's a hack. Um, I think if you're... if I, Is he successful? Yes. Is he re- well-regarded? Yes. Has that ever meant anything to me? Hell no. Um, I'm not contrarian. Y'all know that. I call it like I see it. And when your career is built on, uh, wow, not gripping story, not well-formed characters, not skilled writing, but wow, you're a hack. So he's Japanese hippie Michael Bay instead. uh, Yeah, but he's like Michael Bay. You know what he is? He's Michael Bay for the arty types. Like, Michael Bay and Hayao Miyazaki are actually the same. They just cater to a different audience, but they do the same shit. It's mindless indulgence of a type of easy stimuli. Uh, Michael Bay does it for simple-minded people who like to see shit blow up and really don't care why. Um, and want to see a chick with a, uh, with a nice ass and cutoffs washing something. You know, it's a very basic testosterone-induced stimuli. Hayao Miyazaki does the same thing, but he does it with more artistic stimuli, with uh, fancy backgrounds and sweeping scores and um, attempting to invoke a feeling of childlike wonder, which resonates with more artistic types. But at the end of the day, he's still doing it. Like, you're still getting those reactions. You're still getting that emotional stimuli Without any actual substance to it. Much so in like, other words, he's doing it for simple-minded people who are instead pretentious hipsters. Yeah, but but then you have to figure, why is he so universally beloved? And I'm going to coin yet another syndrome here. Yet another one. Because I'm doing that all day long. I have a habit of that. I'm going to call it Citizen Kane Syndrome. Where people regard something as the best without ever having seen it or knowing about it. How many people do you think will use Citizen Kane as an example as the best movie without ever seeing Citizen Kane in their lives? How many people do you, th- you think have used the phrase, oh, it's no Citizen Kane, without having – and they've never seen Citizen Kane? A lot of people do that. 
where it, something is just defaulted into your mind as the best. You don't even know why. Ironically I, enough, the director didn't even like it that much. Yeah. But it's like so a, a director or so their works or whatever the, the case may be, it's just cemented in their mind as this is the best. And they just they have just told themselves that. They've stamped it right in their minds. I firmly believe you can call me condescending or snobby or stuck up or whatever for saying this, but I firmly do believe that the root of Hayao Miyazaki's status as a legend is Citizen Kane syndrome, that he has just been regarded as a legend because because people have been told to, because the popular opinion is just so, um, I don't want to say oppressive, but uh, suffocating almost. That it's just sort of, and people just they're people just casual, just go with it. So sure. So when they see his movies, they don't question them. This is the best. Um, you know, they sort of sit back and they kind of. I, I think they, you know, there, there, there is an element sitting back and, and and indulging in the simple shit that Miyazaki throws your way. But because it's not so testosterone laden and uh, sort of Neanderthalish as a Michael Bay. It, it feels better to accept it and just take it in. Uh, it, it it feels um, – you don't feel guilty about it. The blandness works to his advantage. Yeah. So I think it's a case of people have just said or told themselves or been told or just accepted because they didn't care. All right, Hayao Miyazaki's the greatest anime director. He is a legend and a visionary, and they just gone with it. Kind of makes you think of him like some sort of evil overlord. <laughs> like, ha ha ha, I finally convinced the world population that my movies are the best of all, that I am the master of animation, even though they are completely bland. Mwahaha. Now yeah. to topple the world economy. It's like a plan that Pinky and the Brain would have come up with. Yeah. <laughs> but, except, uh... Oh, go on. Except they would probably be better animators. <laughs> well, no, the animation in 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 uh, Miyazaki's movies are very good. Yeah, but the problem is what he animates. That's sort of what I meant. Well, true, but we'll get into that. But the animation is very good. It's very high quality. I think that's one of the reasons he gets the praise that he does. It's very, 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 very pretty. So it will wow you if you're not like me. Um, I'm not expecting everyone to be me. I'm not saying I'm superior, but I'm saying I don't care about that. Story, story, and characters. I don't care if it's fucking stick figures. If you tell a compelling story with the stick figures, go for it. I don't care how pretty it looks, but I, I can see a lot of people would, and that'll wow people. And I really do think that's one of the things he's been coasting on. Personally, I've never found it that um, awe-inspiring, so to say. It was like whenever I see his movies, like if you're if you're just focusing on the visuals, it's like. It looks nice. If you just focus on the visual, like, you know, you got to think. You're thinking of, like, you and me where it's, you know, we're not interested in just seeing pretty pictures. Um, but a lot of people, I, I guess you could say they focus on the artistic aspect of animation maybe a little too much. Like, if some, if, if an animated feature is very pretty looking, that'll get it high marks. But, 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 that, but that's not even the, it's that much. I mean, I personally like to see pretty pictures. I go to art galleries and shit. Like, there's really pretty pictures in there, just that. But this is just the 
most boring pretty pictures I could possibly see. Yeah, that, I do want to get into that, and I see where you're going, because the art style Studio Ghibli employs, it's very well known, and I think it's, again, the Citizen Kane syndrome happens, where people recognize that as Ghibli's art style and used in Miyazaki's films, and they just instantly react positively. But if you actually look at it, it's very, 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 very simple and basic looking. Like, there's not even any real, um, I should say, style to it. See, as as an artist, as someone that also enjoys the works of other artists, I usually appreciate it when there's a visible fingerprint uh, in terms of an art style. When an art style is unique, uh, unique enough where I can look and say, I know who that is just by looking. Just by looking, I know... Uh, I can see their technique, their style. You know, no one else does it like that. Yeah, now, I'm not saying, now I'm not saying that's inherently mean that any animation studio is fucked in that regard. But Ghibli's art style, while it does look unique to them, it is also incredibly simplistic. Like you can't like when I talk about an individual style, there's a way you can appreciate the way they render things, the way they draw eyes, noses, uh, facial features, uh, body features, all that stuff. Clamp. <laughs> <laughs> or not appreciated in that case. Um, but with Studio Ghibli's art style, it's very. It feels like this is day one shit. Like this is the way an anime artist would draw once they've learned the basics, and that they would move on from there to develop unique ways of drawing hair and faces and clothes and all that. Yeah, I mean, clamp is bad, but at least it's interesting, you know. Yeah, this is very, like, uh, it's very bland. I mean, there's nowhere else to put it. I mean, I'm trying to explain it as in-depthly and academically as I can, but in the end of the day, it's just bland. Yeah, it's the animation equivalent of the color beige. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, everything is very fluid and well animated, and I can appreciate that. I can appreciate how very detailed the backgrounds are. I love me some detail, but that's not going to carry your movie, um, especially, I, at least with me. Uh but that seems to be like, and there's so much emphasis. Like there'll be so many of these shots of just showing off like background porn. It's like you didn't get me in like hooked on anything important. So you might want to save the the mystical, awe-inspiring panning shots until after you fucking introduced a character that I can remember. Yeah. If you get off to trees on background, so you're gonna love this shit. Yeah. This is gonna be your great A spank material. Yeah, I mean, you know, you got you got a fetish tumbler waiting for you. <laughs> but uh, I mean, this it, it's it's very simplistic. It's very, it's that that's what gets me. It's very boring, very bland. Even the character designs. I mean, at least like with Eiichiro Oda, the actual features he draws are very simplistic. And hell, all his women tend to look the same. That drives me up a wall. At least the like when he went Mike makes a woman, and he wants them to be pretty looking. They look the same, and that drives me up a wall. But he can still add other features and and you know different uh, styles of clothing and just maybe slap a silly shit on here to be memorable. He makes them memorable. He makes he'll he'll put something in those characters to make it so you've never seen a character quite like them, except for maybe Luffy. But even then, he's got little touches, little touches. Yeah, he's he's basically doing the reverse of what most animes do with pretty women characters. Like with Oda, they all have the same the same tits but different personalities, and in the other ones, they have the same personality but different tits. Exactly. Um, you know, that that's a good example of of a simple art style but done with style. 
there's no real style to his movies. Everybody has very basic uh, appearances, very basic shapes, very basic designs. They all kind of look the same. Characters uh, are just kind of vaguely anime. Yeah, they're vaguely anime. They, their outfits are very simple. I'm not asking for ridiculous, you know, Tetsuya and Amora shit. But, you know, if you're going to make your design simple, you're going to have to dress them up special. Because uh, if you don't do one or the other, I... You've got Beige Man running around here, and I don't give two shits about Beige Man. If your movie doesn't exactly look like JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, it sucks dick. <laughs> so JoJo's Bizarre Adventure is another because if you think about it, a lot of his characters look the same in terms of just facial features. Yeah. But he can still spice it up. Uh, and he's got his weird art style and his you know crazy outfits and all his other crazy shit he can slap on a character. So even if his face is the same, he can still... You know, make make so you look at what character wants, you remember what the fuck they look like. Yeah, and if not, he just makes them really gay, which is <laughs> awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. I wouldn't be surprised. Like every gay anime fan's uh, favorite show, because no show outside of maybe Mr. Two from One Piece can take so very obviously gay people and make them kick so much ass. It's a really fabulous show. <laughs> But with, like, the characters in Miyazaki's movies are are so unforgettable. The only re- way you, reason you can even remember who's who is because he doesn't put two of the same look in a movie. He won't put two of the same kind of handsome boy character. He won't put two of the same kind of pretty girl character. I think it's it's very slick how he keeps his cast shallow. Because if he went for an extensive cast... He his uh his issues would show. Blah, bleach. <laughs> Just close. Even bleach has got something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even if it's sh- only a uh, ice using shorter. Well, no. But then you, what about fucking Kempachi? Yeah, Kempachi. Oh, he doesn't count. He obviously <laughs> took that one from a better manga and then time traveled. <laughs> then you got Kempachi. Uh, Renji's very unique looking. I like his design. Um, then you got fucking, well, you got a lot of basic looking people, yeah. but then and you, you, you got the old guy, he's cool. He, uh, yeah. Yamamoto or something. Yeah, and then these, these new villains are pretty bitchin'. I mean, how many fucking shonen manga will allow their ultimate villain to have a beard this day and age? Facial hair is the Japanese devil. Yeah, it's like, it's like bleach, one piece, and then everything else is pretty people. <laughs> You're not allowed to have the ultimate evil not be pretty. So, he yeah. must be a Sephiroth ripoff or else. Yeah, you know what? Bleach is kind of like Dragon Ball. Its main characters are very samey and boring looking, but he splurges on the crazy villain designs. Very, with with the exception of a couple, like Bleach has got a couple, like Kenpachi and shit. But generally, like Bleach's creativity goes into the villains. You can tell. I mean, look at those fucking uh, those new guys, those fucking Quincy's that showed up. The fucking old dude with the guns. And then the weird bald twins that turn into people and they've got a third eye. And then the fear bitch with the weird mask and she looks like fucking Sadako from the ring but with a mask and shit and crazy shit. And the fucking giant luchador man. So you can tell, like, and even the new characters they've re- they released, they've reviewed. I can't get the fucking word right. They revealed in a recent arc the uh, Squad Zero. You know, creative designs. There's none of that here. And I think 
the reason is, I think, now that I think about it, bringing up Bleach and One Piece and their creative designs and JoJo and their its creative designs and the lack of creativity in Miyazaki's design, I think the problem is he takes – we know – we'll get into this in further, but we know for a fact Miyazaki takes himself so goddamn seriously. So goddamn seriously. And I think that's to his detriment because he does not allow for any style. And because he doesn't allow for any style, he has to make every character look dignified. So no crazy anything, no colorful anything, uh, nothing can be unique. It's Everybody has to have uh, plain Jane hair. Everybody's got to have the most uh, plain Jane clothes they can possibly have. I guess he thinks uh, to do otherwise would to be childish? I don't know. Probably something like that. It sounds like some- yeah, it sounds like something he would say. Uh, but... He could really use something. This is too childish. I can't have that in my childish movie. <laughs> like, um, like with Quentin Tarantino's movies, his characters stand the fuck out. Uh, even when you had a, a movie where everybody was wearing the same damn suit, you know, they're still very. Even just take away their personalities, they're still visibly different. And he, he makes sure he's, there's a lot to his characters. Both in appearance and in personality, so you were, you're gonna fucking remember. You will remember a character that was in a movie for like a scene. Like I cannot remember the main protagonist of Princess Mononoke, but I can remember the fucking uh, one dude, one of the brothers from Django Unchained, one that uh, that, that uh, Christoph Waltz character King Schultz was hunting because he was like this crazy character that had the fucking uh, he was all like he obsessed with the Bible, and he had fucking Bible pages sewn onto his shirt. Yeah, I mean, how I even remember the guy with a dick gun who was like in few scenes and had barely any lines of dialogue in From Dusk Till Dawn. Yeah, I mean, the little things like that you can you know you can go on how uh, undignified they are, but something like that goes a long way to making a character memorable. Um, obviously you don't want to keep falling back on that, but it's, like I said, it's something that someone should consider. They don't have to do it, but something to consider, especially if you're going to have your characters just fill a role. At least let them fill it with style. Is that, to, I mean, to, to his credit, Tight Kubo, author of Bleach, knows how to do that. He's a lot of characters in there that don't do much of anything, don't have much of a personality, but they do it with style. So you remember them. Even if they didn't do a whole lot, you don't remember them. They did it stylishly. So if you're not going to have any substance to your character, at least have some style. Because you're not going to have any style or substance. Who the fuck are you and who the fuck is this and why should I care? You, you know, a merger of style and substance is, is optimal. But when you don't have either, it's just banal as fuck. It's tedium. And that's what a lot of his films have. You know what a lot of his films have? Messages. Oh. This is one of the big things we want to get into. Yeah, because Hayao Miyazaki's got something to say, and he wants that you know it. Yeah, Hayao Miyazaki has opinions, and Hayao Miyazaki thinks those opinions are just darn special. So darn special, he's got a... Well, I mean, a lot of the messages in his movies are so blatant, and yet this is one of the things no one talks about. That's what I said. I think it might be a conspiracy. No one's going to bring up... The goofy anti-capitalist shit in Spirited Away? Why is this not a regular thing that gets brought up in reviews? Like, you know what? It's a little silly that that the movie just goes on these weird things about, ca- like, uh, these weird... 
Yeah, I, I think like these, this no face character. Oh, by the way, really creative name. Oh no, no, you see it. No, like no, the play, no, N O H face. It's a pun, you see. Because uh, nothing's more dignified, Hayo, than a pun. Anyway, this character with a mask, he apparently absorbs some shit and therefore becomes evil because capitalism is evil. See, it's very, very subtle and subdued. It's, it takes a lot to pick that up. Of course, you see, I mean, now, I could be forgetting something important. I have not seen the movie in a long time. There's a reason I haven't seen it in a long time. Uh... This it, it, it was just I mean I I do remember finding the biggest crock of bullshit when it was revealed that he was the water spirit that saved the little girl that was mentioned early in the movie because we have what what I think is the anyone who wants to say this guy's a good writer all I have to bring up is this scene and this little synopsis of this scene to show that he is a hack. I just remembered I know you. I just remembered I know you too. At the end of the fucking movie. As if we got away from the thing, we're flying. Oh, hey, that's right, I know you. Twist out of fucking nowhere. Pulled out of the motherfucker's ass. Hey, that's right, I've met you before. Character that we've, I've been through the whole movie with. It, it was the dumbest fucking ass pull I've ever seen. And I just I laughed and I turned off the movie at that point. Um, I, I've I have seen Spirit Away three times, never all the way through, because I would watch to a point and say fuck this shit, and and then like a year or two would go by and I'd give it another chance and I'd start from the point I left off and then I get to another point and say fuck this shit and then that happened like three <laughs> times. So it was like I watched it in increments until I said fuck this shit and gave up for like a year or two and then. Like uh, fucking Lewis Black with candy corn, I forget how bad it is and try it again. Then you're probably gonna watch it the next two years down the line, and you're totally gonna love the last part. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're gonna make another podcast like I was totally wrong. Miyazaki's a fucking genius. The last part just gets really weird. Deuce does some Suda Fifty One shit where the whole thing was some bullshit, and it's fucking. Fuck it, YOLO shit. <laughs> Mirror universe, the other side. <laughs> I, w- I would see Suda51's take on fucking Spirit Away. I would watch that shit in Fuck a yeah. fucking heartbeat. Because beam katanas improve everything. <laughs> beam katanas and shit that don't make sense because it doesn't have to. Yeah, it would also be great if, like, Travis touched on was in Princess Mononoke. It's like these spirit wood gods and suddenly comes this giant blob. And then Travis is like, like fucker, and Fuck dead. Cuts it in half. And yeah, fuck the trees. Says something bizarre yet poetic. You don't understand what the hell he's talking about, but you love it. Oh my god. But that's, like, his messages are silly as shit. But I can't, like, as silly as the shit in Spirit Away was, it does not top Princess Mononoke, which, as we mentioned before, is Japanese fern gully. I mean, the whole thing is nature good, love the forest, love the forest, nature good, man bad, man very bad. Fuck humans! Nature bad, ma- nature good, man bad. 
Man, very, very bad. See, it's because it's artificial. That's why it's like a giant, like a house or a living place or whatever, like a city. It's like a giant piece of black metal, which is like evil and radiates smoke. And they're making guns with which they kill the poor wolves. And nature instead is magical. Because they had a, it was a whole movie with a message that industrialization is bad. Yeah. I'm gonna now, tell now, you. Now let's, let's take a moment to explain and further my theory that Hayao Miyazaki is a blithering idiot, why <laughs> that is the worst fucking message you can tell in the way he told it. First of all, any, 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 any movie trying to say the message to say, tell, like, to say or to Give the message, portray the message, whatever, how you want to put it. I'm having problems with my words today. To save the trees should never be told through a cartoon. You cannot give the message to save the trees using a medium depicted through, in, by, through cut down trees, through paper made from trees, made from logging. How is paper made? It is by grinding, chopping down and grinding up trees into paste that you flatten. You are create, telling a message. You are telling a message to save the forest. And you are doing so using dead trees. You fucking idiot. This would sort of be like a German writing a passionate attack on the Holocaust and the ideas of Hitler on a piece of uh, on a piece of paper that he that was made from the skin of Jews or something. Yeah, that you do don't do that. That is so do you not the whole time you're doing this, do you not see that this is stupid? Ah, but you're, he's using the trees for a good cause, so it's okay. You you chopped how many trees were chopped down to fr- produce all those frames of animation? And that movie isn't even good. Okay, well, let's say it's okay. They animated on, like, plastic see-through cell paper. What about the backgrounds? What they paint those on? What, what about, what about you know, I, I'm sure it was storyboarded. What did they draw the storyboards on? How about that script? Um, I mean, I'm, I'm using very basic language. I'm sure someone can academically tear apart my little tirade here. I'm being general to, in a dismissive fashion because the point is obvious. He tried to send a message about love of the forest in a way that in that it is required to tell this message in the way he did. It is required to level a forest. <laughs> so you, Hayao Miyazaki, are a fucking blithering idiot. You are an excellent con man, an excellent marketer, blithering idiot. Um, I mean, that... that why am I the only one saying this? No one's gonna point this out. Not one review of this movie is gonna say, yeah, it has a message about protecting the environment and, and loving the forest, but it does so on paper. No one else is gonna say this. No, not a one person. Um, maybe I just didn't get the message that it was printed on recycled paper. So, you know. Used tree carcasses. I was just printed on special non-tree paper. What? How did they make the paper? You're you're all idiots. You fucking. I feel, this is this must be how Alex Jones feels all the time. 
Like, are you all sheep? Why don't you see this? How can you not see this? It's, it drives me up a wall. No one brings this up. No one brings this up. Miyazaki is using mind control race in order to prevent us from realizing that he chopped down five billion parts of the rainforest in order to make his propaganda movie with subliminal messages. Devil government, devil government. <laughs> I gotta start pounding my desk and screaming. We get the full Alex Jones effect. Exactly. No, I mean, there's so much other shit we're going to get into with Princess Mononoke, but I can't get over that. I cannot get over that. No one brings that up. You can't. You can't. You just. It can't. It's a fact of life. You cannot do a cartoon about saving the forest. You can't do it. You're not allowed. Because once you do it, you're done. You're done. You're a joke. You're fuck you. Because you you have to use paper to tell that message. You can't. You can't do it. You you're 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 a hypocrite. <laughs> And it's not like Princess Mononoke is like the only movie with his environmental themes either. It's like how many trees have had to die for all of his movies? And how many trees had to die for you to tell us to save the trees? Fucking hypocrite. Do as I say now. You know what? You would just prove one of the most, like, one of the most, bringing it back to right-wing talk radio, they often have a catchphrase when they talk about uh, limousine liberals. Uh, do as they, they're always like, do as I say, not as I do. You know what? Maybe they're on to something. <laughs> he kills trees kidding. in order to tell us to save trees. Yeah. He's, he's, he's like Japanese environmentalist Peter. He's Al Gore. He's like, like, gotta watch those carbon footprints. Now, excuse me, I'm in my private jet. <laughs> it's, use a shitload of carbon, but I'll carbon offset. I get carbon offsets. I balance it out. It's math. I do the math. Yeah, he's fucking Al Gore. He's yeah. got the same message, pretty much. Yeah, like turn down your all, turn down your fridge a little bit, and that'll save the environment. It's science. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, I mean, this this really does feel like what right wing talk radio is saying. Oh, the environmentalists are doing all the time. This really is that kind of shit. <laughs> it really is. It's like a George Carlin routine. <laughs> saves the trees, saves the whales, saves those snails. Yeah, it's. It, 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 I I I am aghast. This is this is not a common thing that is brought up. It's kind of like the first Full Metal Alchemist anime. Like like I'm the only one that made the connection of that that it's dead Jew magic. <laughs> Nobody else put that together. Really? Nobody else. No one else put that those two two together. Made that four. Nobody. Nobody else. I guess this is the thing, like, we're not, we're just gonna ignore the fact that he's telling us to save the trees wearing, with a shitload of paper. Like, I, you know what? I'll even get, you can tell that message through a comic, because, or, or like, it would be printed on one piece of paper. One piece of paper is not the destruction of a forest make. Uh, you can tell it through a movie. Okay, maybe you had to print a few scripts. Again, not gonna, that's probably not even the amount of paper you would get from one tree. Animation? Animation? All those fucking frames, all the things you have to draw, everything that goes into animation that is all done on paper. Yeah, you and you can... didn't even count all the paper that is required in the processes, like writing up shit, like talking to people in order to get the money. You know, after all, Japan is, is ironically, due, uh, even though it's a very technologically progressive country in the sense that they have a lot of shit invented, Mostly, they still use fax machines and antiquated bullshit. So a lot of what the shit they do is still made on paper, which, which would normally what? be in the Western society be done on computers. 
Which is funny to me, because aren't they supposed to be way more environmentally conscious than we are? And yet they're using paper for everything. Wait, Japan ever gave a fuck about the environment? Yeah, it's their whole fucking culture. Why do you think half the fucking anime that you see will have some environmental spiel? Well, that's it's, mostly just made by crazy old people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, but it's, it's like... It, environmentalism kind of... I can usually forgive environmentalism in an anime more than I would in like some, an American production because environmentalism is more embedded in their culture since, like, God knows how long. I mean, this is the country where Shintoism is pretty much associated with. Uh, it's, but you'd think with that being the case, they would maybe move on to digital, like to the, move on to the digital age a little more. Yeah. I mean, if you think that trees and rivers and shit have spirits or souls or whatever, then it's, they don't think that. Yeah. But you'd, you'd think it would be kind of harder to chop them down. Yeah. But no, I mean, they go through paper like a motherfucker. And that always boggled my mind. So getting up, because I could go all day just flabbergasted on that, so let's move the fuck on. Yeah, we have a lot more to bitch about in Mononoke. But, yeah, um, Mononoke, another bit of hypocrisy is that it says industrialism is bad. Well, how the fuck do you think you got the ability to make a fucking cartoon about it? This is what always pisses me off so much about the, you know, about the hippie fucktards who are always advocating this, like, nature good, man bad, it's not only because it's incredibly hypocritical, because basically 100% of the people who bitch about this uh, aren't willing to move in the forest, like, put their money where their mouth is, instead they have, like, modern houses, which are, like, proper... Uh, climate, they've got like heating, they've got indoor plumbing, they've got Taco Bell, they got antibiotics. It's like, all this shit has been made by the evil soulless man. Why are you using it? Yeah, all those evil industrial factories that produce, you know, things that help us, you know, live comfortably or like medicine, just plain live. Food, it's yeah. all evil. Yeah, you know, may oh, we make food. Sometimes we kill cute things for it. Yeah. And speaking of which, I'm, I'm going to give you people here a little philosophy lesson about this whole unnatural thing. See, the whole problem with the entire idea that what people do is, like, unnatural. Like, ooh, industrialism, that's unnatural. Therefore, it's evil because it's not part of nature. Okay, I'm going to ask you people something. Like, think of bees, for example. When they construct their hives... Those hives are not normally found in nature. Like, you don't find that shit lying around, right? So, if bees use the abilities that they naturally have in order to make something more or less artificial, how in any way is this, is this not unnatural, but when humans use their innate skills that they have through nature just because they're smarter and they're able to get resources that other animals can't, like, for example, mine the earth for minerals or create, uh, you know, different materials. Just because of that, it's suddenly unnatural? What the hell is this shit? It's just because our, our stuff is more complex than what anime, uh, an animals can do? This is hypocr hypocritical bullshit here. Yeah, and it, like, I'm always, again, it's another thing that flabbergasts me when I see that anti-industrial shit in a cartoon. It's like, how do you think you got the ability to do what you just did? Like, the, the paper that was, that went through a mill, 
you know, the technology that allows moving pictures yeah. to you be get your put to video. Tree magic. Yeah, I mean, like you, you're you're using mo- a system of moving pictures basically, and you're putting it to a video, which is which the very process of the storage of the animation that you have produced is further industrialism in and of itself. The process of creating the reels, the process of creating the videotapes and the DVDs, all that shit, that's industrialization that you called so fucking evil. Exactly. See, here's the ultimate irony about the whole unnatural argument. There actually is nothing that is unnatural in any real sense because nature encompasses everything. Yeah, and also I, I I don't think a lot of people uh, understand this. Uh, with with uh, industries that will that get their product through the environment, uh, especially logging. I don't think a lot of people understand this about logging. People think that they are inherently bad and in killing the environment. I don't think what a lot of people understand is these industries will actually do quite a bit to help the environment. Now you're saying, what are you talking about? They cut down trees. Say you're a logging company. You need that lumber to continue to work. Now, do you honestly think that the logging companies go from forest to forest all around the world? No. They have a specific area in which they work. What do they do? They plant more trees. Well, I thought logging companies just rapes the environment because they hate nature and want to kill it. This is how basically how these kinds of things works. When you have a company, an industry, that requires something from nature. They will make sure that there is a continuous supply so that they may stay in business. For instance, when you have a company that manufactures honey, what do they do? They get a set of beehives set up. That They, they got the whole stacks of beehives yeah. that they will then take out when the bees have made the honey, and they will take the honey out of those beehives, and they let the bees do their thing. When you, when you have a logging company, a company that makes paper, a paper mill, uh, does it spew a lot of pollution pollutants? Yes, it does. Um, but considering how long they've been doing this, um, and the fact that uh, the sky is still pretty pretty, um, you know, I'm not saying environmentalism is bullshit. I'm saying uh, it is not fucking Satan. Uh, you have paper mills when they cut down the trees for the paper. They will then plant more trees because they got to have more trees to cut down to make more paper. Yeah, and just think how many animals that would have normally died in nature we have actually rescued just because we thought they were either tasty or pretty. Yeah. Um, you know, again, there are arguments to make about uh, how well things are done in certain steps. You can make arguments about how well animals are treated in farms, um, which varies from farm to farm. Uh, you can argue the, you know, pollutants spewed by a paper mill, valid argument. Um, I think people will get a little bit overreactionary, which is why I brought up the earlier thing about the sky is still pretty. Um, While it is bad, uh, we are not going to die. But as soon as you get to shit like, you can't eat animals because it is horrible slaughter and it's just like the Holocaust, it's like, fuck you. Yeah, plus, I mean, I don't think these people realize, I don't know if if they've ever taken a finger, just felt their teeth a little bit and moved it. I don't know if you notice, those four teeth in the front, next to them, there are pointier teeth. They're called incisors. Guess why animals have incisors? I'll give you a hint. It's not to clamp down on the veggies real good. (laughs) Uh... If, if Maybe if you'd like to be a little closer to nature and just eat the animal while it's laying there in the dirt. 
Because that's what the other animals with incisors do. Yeah. But It's like, of course we know the animals that we eat are dead. Would you rather we eat them alive? Yeah. Or do you, do you want to just do the lion and gazelle thing? Just kill it there and just eat, rip open a hole in its abdomen and just dig in. Yeah. Also, if meat eating is so evil and we are not allowed to animals, why is it okay for animals to eat us? <laughs> it's nature's revenge. We're going on sem- it's a bit of a tangent, but there's an overall point here. Is that the message, m- many of the messages in Princess Mononoke and, and Miyazaki's overall works are hypocritical and not well thought out, lending to my theory that he is a blithering idiot. Um, once you apply scrutiny and logic to the messages he sends, uh, they fall apart gloriously. Exactly. We have pretty much just conclusively proved that Hari Miyazaki is a moron. It's science. Yeah, it, it is science. Once you apply science, uh, it is pretty much a a feel-good house of cards. A house of cards he has set up to make himself feel righteous and smart. And all it takes is a little flick of logic to make the whole thing fall down. Um, again, the industrialization, you know, how many f- – I'm, I'm willing to bet that your crew ate. Um, like maybe they went out to a restaurant that probably had its ingredients shipped in by truck from a large factory, you know, an evil industrialization. Um, How dare they provide us with food? Yeah, I'm pretty sure whatever restaurant you went out to eat after a hard day of animating your environmental message didn't have a fucking farm right behind it that it was fucking pulling the meat fresh from. No, I'm pretty sure they had shit shipped in from a factory. Uh... I mean, that it, people don't think because they think of the image. It's the image of the big, oppressive, dull-colored building billowing out a sick-colored smoke. Yeah, it's the whole reason why people buy organic food in the first place. By the way, people, here's a secret. If we made only organic food, half of the human population would starve. <laughs> but the other ones are going to be so much healthier, except they're not. Because organic food, there's no difference. Yeah. And here's also a secret. You know what people ate in the Middle Ages? Only organic food. <laughs> Didn't help them that much when the Black Plague rolled around, <laughs> did it? You fuckers. Well, like, or, yeah, organic food is one of those. It's, organic food is much like the messages presented in these movies yeah. in that they exist it's solely... Like- it's feel-good shit. Yeah, it's, it's just like environmentalism. You know, as Penn and Teller put it about organic food, it's just another religion. Yeah, it's pretty much it's there to make you feel good. There's no basis in fact to anything. It's um, kind of like driving a hybrid, but a hybrid, you know, it does have less emissions, to be fair. Although there are problems with it. Um Maybe one day, hopefully one day we will work out those problems and I will gladly get a hybrid because I don't even care about the environment. I would just want to save on the gas. Um, but it's kind of like driving the hybrid in that most people that do it, do it for self, self-satisfying self reasons. And they like to kind of wear it as a badge. Yeah. I drive a hybrid. I only buy organic food. Yeah. You see, there's a reason why most of these people are so smug because they think of like... I am doing something for the environment. I am working for a higher cause and saving the poor nature from those evil, ignorant masses. I am such a good person. Yeah, it's, it, South Park did a whole thing, the whole smug alert thing, pretty much put it succinctly with that. And it's, it's, 
it's it, it, Penn and Teller was right. It is like a new religion because it's much like the religion people do, where they believe they are following something that's like a higher calling. Yeah. Like I, I am not some uh, greedy or some selfish person. I do things for God. I live my life for God. Yeah. And yet, ironically, through that, they are the most self-absorbed assholes ever. <laughs> like, excuse me in my humbleness, I'm currently working on a mission for the Lord himself. <laughs> I'm more humble than you are. Uh, it's that kind of shit. So that's what we have here. It's self-aggrandizing, and, and you know, you have people that buy it, buy into it, and for that reason. It's just, and I'm not going to lie, that's an effective tool that I will, I, I have used. That image of the gray, lifeless uh, industrial image. It, it's not, you know, if you're if you're not using it to actually try to send a message, it's effective as a storytelling or visual tool. Because a lot of uh, visual storytelling, visual medium, is well visual. But I mean, what I mean by that is, it is very very based on subconscious or uh, knee-jerk reactions to certain imagery. Um, for instance, in Breaking Bad, uh, the when when you have uh, the main Walter White's transformation into basically Heisenberg, uh, he, as he becomes a more, more of a big-time uh, force in the drug industry, his appearance changes. Now they give a storyline reason because he has cancer, so he shaves his head. But it makes him look more intimidating. He's got the beard, the shaved head. He looks more like someone that could hurt you. This is used as a visual aid, as a visual reactionary cue to make you feel about him the way the writers want you to feel. Now, in- inherently, there's nothing wrong with having a shaved head and a goatee. But the image that it presents is, is intimidating. So it is used to intimidate. And to say that this character is intimidating. Similar, it's similar here, where you have something like a, a gray industry. You have a big building that is dour colors because colors uh, cause uh, subconscious reactions. So when you have things that are dull, lifeless colors, a large metallic thing, it's very uh, rigid, very smooth, or not smooth, but like it's it's not. There's no texture to it generally. Um, and if there is, it's something that you wouldn't want to touch. But it's generally rigid, uh, very unpleasant colors, and it billows out a black smoke, which also sends a message, even if you're, if, even without the environmentalism, because you just see it spew this thickness. You see it spew, it's spewing out something that doesn't look nice. It's all basic reactionary stuff. And a lot of people just take that shit in. Those people don't really uh, know, or people that just you know, go with it. But then there's people that are just dumb. Um, they they take that shit in, and when when all it is 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 uh, basically giving reactionary shit. It's like political messages that use children. Uh, that will because you know you like kids. Uh, it, it will it uh, you care about kids, uh, and if you don't do what we say, you must not care about the kids, and they'll have the kids look sad. Because and while while the uh, very serious sounding voiceover tells you the message they want to tell you, and this creates an overall image that people have an immediate reaction to. Now, if you're if you have two brain cells to bang together, that image should be shut up, you hack. But that's the general idea. Is that that's why um, 
even basic shit we know <clears throat> we know of. It's why they still do it. Like why you see in an infomercial, they'll uh, when they're trying to sell you a product, they'll show you the inferior products and it'll be in black and white. And and the person's like, nah, no, mm, making this stupid ass face. And then when they show their product, they're smiling and everything's in color. It's basic visual cues. And that's what this is, this kind of anti-industry, the evils of pollution. And they just – it's visual cues that they use, and they're effective. And they can be used – if you're not trying to uh, send a message, it can be used to great effect. Yeah. But, but you got to have something else besides that. Yeah, but here, uh, that, that's basically just what he's doing. He's just using visual cues to say this is bad, look at the evils of industry. But, uh, and, if you, and if you don't believe me, take any scene. Uh, from like take take the uh, the evil machine bullshit or whatever from Prince Mononoke, take all that stuff, color it multicolors, like the guns, make them pink and blue and various bright colors. Remove the context in the movie, and just show those scenes, and color everything bright. See how different it turns out. See how different it feels. When everything's bright, like it looks like it came from my, fucking My Little Pony. <laughs> like when everything's bright fucking colors. See how the – take it out of context and see if it doesn't sound – feel like it's giving an entirely different message. And, and that's basically what he's doing. It's, it's just – he uses basic visual cues to push his agenda at the, at the risk of sounding like a fucking radio host for the third time. Uh, he It's, it's – He's very good at visual cues. He's very good at it. And I think that's one of the reasons he's considered such a legend and why people get so enamored by his visuals. He's very good at visual cues. He's very good at knowing when to make something bright, when to make something dark, uh, when to put a lot of detail, when to make something look simple. Uh, visually, he's very good at what he does. It's just that he is a – in terms of writing, he is a hack and he's got way too much to say. And therein lies his problem. Uh but now that I gave that little fucking dissertation, <laughs> one of the other problems I have with uh, Princess Mononoke, with the whole message, is that much like Spirited Away, once you apply logic to the what's supposed, to, what you're supposed to um, think is good, nature basically, like what you're supposed to um, think is what's the word? Not like the good side, not like the good guys or protagonists or anything like that. But the victimized um, thing that you should respect, I guess, let's just say. Oh, For poor little nature. She's getting raped by the humans. Yeah, let's just keep it simple and put it that way. Um, the problem with much like Spirited Away, uh, when, you, when you apply scrutiny to the logic they use, it works to the detriment of what he's trying to prop up, nature. Um, the spirit of the forest basically goes evil and tries, like, goes berserk and tries to kill people. That doesn't tell me to love the forest. That tells me nature wants to kill me. Yeah. It actually doesn't even start to kill people. It instead turns into this amorphous blob which eradicates all life. Yeah. Um, all that really tells me is that, well, man took its head or whatever. Okay. Um, well, then we better – that. you know what that tells me? Don't just take a trophy. Make sure you leave nothing left because whatever's <laughs> left was going to get you. Um. Nature. I don't know when Japan's gonna get through their head. And nature is not this like fucking uh, fragile uh, maiden or whatever. Yeah. Um. I mean, have you ever be- actually been to a fucking rainforest? Apparently not. 
those places are evil places. I'm not lying. Yeah. Yeah, again, to bring it back to South Park, they did a good episode on that because you know you you, you know these the rainforests are important to nature. We shouldn't eradicate them all, but. Uh, how about we just don't touch them because they're awful, awful fucking places. They're not the magical land of beauty. No, they look pretty, but there are horrible fucking things in there, and everything in there wants to kill you. Yeah, I mean, just in order to see that nature is not exactly good, you don't even need to go yourself to the rainforest. Just look at some of the animals that exist. Actually, lots of them. Like, for example, like meat eaters. Most of them have some or one or many ways, like either claws or other things, which are often very vicious and painful in order to torture their prey and kill it in the most brutal way possible. Or snakes uh, and other beings, which use incredibly painful and venomous toxins. Or like the species of, uh, of mushrooms or whatever, which infect ants and bury into their brain in order to control them. And then they kill them and sprout on them and go in their eggs and then get even more. Like Paras, uh, the Pokemon, that was actually inspired by this type of mushroom. Which, which literally bur- uh, buries into that ant's brain. Like nature is, if you take just a close look at it, pretty fucking horrifying. See, this is the thing. Nature is neither good or nor evil. It just is the way it is. And trying to glorify it as a sort of a beautiful fairy-like entity which is only good and nice and if we only were closer to nature, everything would be perfect. It's just utter bullshit. Because if we did that, we'd be living like cavemen again and we'd be ravaged by diseases and shit. And there's, there's something I want to get to later in one of his movies um, that, that ties into that. But... You, the thing, like, while it is important to respect the environment and that you shouldn't go stupid and like fucking dump chemical waste into the fucking ocean and shit like that. Yeah, don't be a Captain Planet villain, basically. Yeah, as long as you're not a Captain Planet, like, nature is neither good nor evil. It simply is what it is. It simply is. Same thing with man and it and man's pursuits. Man's pursuits are neither good nor evil. They are simply they simply are what they are. Um. We are constantly trying to find ways to be more environmentally friendly, as we should. But that does not mean we should – even if something isn't inherently environmentally friendly, we shouldn't do it if it uh, ensures our survival or even our comfort to a degree because there is no reason we should live in the Middle Ages just because we have the capacity to live better, but it would make things a little stinky. Yeah. I mean, and and hell, and there are even people who are saying, like, people should just die off because then nature would be much better without us, you know? And I'm saying, fuck that bullshit up its ass, especially because of, you know, the idea of value and importance of something. Where does that come from? It's not inherent in nature. No, the idea of value of something comes from humans. If humans are extinct, then nothing matters anymore because the idea of meaning comes from us. Existence only has meaning as long as we ascribe it to, and if we're not there, then nature and its continued existence is pointless. Exactly. I mean, literally pointless. I mean, I'm sure some idiot's going to say, "What do you mean that nature should die too?" No, I'm saying it literally has no point. It will be. It will continue. The world will continue to spin. Things will continue march on with no point, no rhyme, no reason, no destination, no nothing. Yeah. It will be a continuing, uh, continuously operating redundant machine. Yeah. 
You see, existence in itself is a pointless blank slate, but we as humans, because we have the capacity to it, ascribe meaning and value to it. Like, we collectively, we are basically like less evil Rorschach. Like, the world in itself had no meaning, but then we came and ascribed meaning to it. Exactly. Uh, I, I, I don't even think a lot of people even get that, because I, I think they don't think, um, they think that these things that humans ascribe uh, to things. I think they think they're inherent. Exactly. They think uh, beauty is beauty, and they don't understand beauty is in a concept created by man. You know, man is evil. It destroys beautiful things. Man dubs it beautiful. It cannot be beautiful without man there to say that is beautiful. Man is what decided that was beautiful in the first place. Um, a sunrise is nothing more than the sun immediately becoming visible. It is man who looks at the sunrise and says, that is beautiful. Yeah. And here's the biggest irony of all. Good and evil are concepts invented by man. Exactly. I mean, exactly. If you look at the animal kingdom, they will just kill each other. There is no, it's for pure and utter survival. It is man that will say, I will not kill you for my survival because I think that would be wrong or because I like you or because I think that it, it is wrong, it is uh, the right thing to do to help you. Yeah, it's often said by these fuckers that like, man is the most cruelest animal because animals are incapable of torturing each other. Yes, this is true. However, animals in themselves don't really have morals or well, they have behavior patterns, but they don't have morals in the same way that humans do. Animals are incapable of e being either good or evil because they cannot comprehend the concept. Exactly. And, uh, you know, much of what man does flies in the face of its own survival, but it does so for the good of, it, of other men, of, of, of other men and, and other, you know, and even other animals. Yeah, we generally call things goods that are self-sacrificing or that benefit society or be living beings at large, and we generally call things sel evil that are selfish and only benefit yourself. And and these and the reason one of the reasons we bring all this up is that Miyazaki's movies tend to forget this. Like I said, I think that a lot of people realize that these things that are described by man are inherent that they think they're inherent. They yeah. don't understand they're describing man. I think Miyazaki's one of those people. Yeah. So therefore, his movies have basically this whole thing, which is a prevalent envi environmentalism and vegetarianism and so on. This self-flagellation. It's like, why am I so horrible? Why must must our continued existence rape nature? We are the scourge of the earth. Yeah. And the most the most damning sort of uh, piece of evidence that he is, as I said, uh, both. He does not understand man created this concept, and he's a blithering idiot. Was an end scene in Nausicaa, where a village elder basically says that he, like, this is like in a future nature kind of took back over, and there's people and they're living in a, a nature community, whatever. Fucking Miyazaki all day long. Fucking hippies. Um, says that man has no right to continue to exist. And this is treated like wise words from a wise old person. Man has no right to continue to exist because of what they did in the past, that uh, nature should basically just kill them. First of all, if I heard this person, I would cuss him out because that's basically saying all the people that you love, all the people that you cherish, all the people that you form relationships with, everything that is important to you doesn't matter and should end because of what people that lived thousands of years ago did to the trees. Um, 
especially considering that this is taking place in a community that is intentionally trying to be more in touch with nature. Yeah. Not to mention you're basically blaming people, blame people who partially weren't even born for something that they that other people did. You're blaming the entire species. This is this is like Adam and Eve bullshit. It's like you ate an apple, therefore all of humanity is evil and must die. Yeah, the, the sins of the father mentality is to me one of the scummiest things you can let run through your brain. And and this oh, uh, and by the way, the idea of rights, also from humans. Exactly. Like, for instance, um, Max here, German. Uh, so if you think that uh, as a German he holds any responsibility for the actions of the, uh, of the Nazi party, you're, you're an asshole. You're a scumbag. Uh, to associate him with the Nazi party simply because of his nationality and his language – Makes and you a my heritage. And your heritage, yes, because he's actually, you know, his family participated. Um, likewise, on my end, and it's sort of more general thing that uh, I've, I found, uh, be, you know, being an American white man living with, in, with a southern asshole family, um, I had nothing to do with the oppression of black people. I had nothing to do... Uh, I, Lord knows how many times I've disavowed my racist family members. So associating me with the sins of the white man pisses me off because I have not, nor would I ever take part in it, nor do I like the idea of being associated with those assholes. But I, you're benefiting from it because you're <laughs> white. That makes you evil. Well, where the fuck are my benefits? Because I'm dirt poor and struggling right now. I want to reap those benefits. Where do I cash my? Where do I cash in my white points? Yeah, the benefit is your white. <laughs> so the, the the sins of the father thing pisses me right the fuck off. Exactly. Um. It's so especially because uh. Well, I can. I'm not going to get into that whole thing, but so this idea that if let's let's say that uh it's po it's probable that mankind would just destroy nature because mwahaha. Even if that's true, if those men are dead and you have new men that are working more closely with nature, why then should man still die? If you are actively uh, living more in, t in tune with nature, why should man then still die? Because of what man did way back when. Yeah, based on that attitude, nature is basically a very cruel and capricious god. Who just takes the most minor offenses in order to, uh, in order to, like, instill the biggest punishments. Like, I mean, what, what the fuck happens at the end of Princess Mononoke? I mean, they, they just shoot this one skylight deer's head off. And as punishment for that, that one woman gets, like, her arm bitten off by wolves. And by the way, can we just fuck this whole wolf bullshit? I'll, I'll get into this quick. But, uh, she loses her arm, and a lot of people die, and this whole, forest thing spirit abomination blob which eats all life falls on the city that the humans have and completely destroys it and so that's supposed to symbolize ah now the evil shit is destroyed and now people can finally live in harmony with nature again yeah great uh, by the way how about like resources like what about all that food in there that was destroyed what about all the houses that shelter you from the elements I mean, is that all also evil? Are people supposed to live like like uh, like that Princess Mononoke character herself, like basically caveman? Yeah, I mean, and, it's uh, it yeah, it's 
again, once you apply an actual uh, bit of logic and scrutiny to it, it just does not hold up, and it, it becomes almost rather scummy. Exactly. And by the way, like I, like I was just about to say, like, can we just stop this whole bullshit? I mean, I've seen it so many times. Like, oh, wolves are these noble and amazing creatures who are, like, so... Okay, first of all, wolves are kind of assholes. I mean, some, not all of them, but some of them, even without having rabies or anything, and I know apologists will not acknowledge this, but this is true, some of them attack and kill humans for no valid reason. So, like, they, they didn't even attack them or anything, just attack humans, bam, dead. And back then they were actually quite a big, quite a big menace when we haven't hunted them that much. I mean, it's not saying that, like, killing all wolves is good or anything. I'm just saying back then when there were a whole lot of wolves, people rightfully feared and detested them. And this whole thing about wolves, like, being oh so noble and loyal and intelligent is all just bullshit, as we have found out by studying them. In fact, it's, it's even the case that when there's, like, a hunger period and these fucking things are starving, wolves tend to eat their children. And before anyone tries to justify this, like, oh, they're, they're animals, they can't be that morally perfect, there's, like, prairie, do- uh, some sort of dog species in, uh, for example, Australia, which is very ugly, but these, uh, these creatures actually prioritize their young instead of themselves when they are starving. So they're actually better than wolves morally, quote-unquote. Yeah. However, they're not that popular because they're not pretty, and the furries can't jerk off to them. Yeah, the wolves look cool. So they get associated with all this bullshit, when in reality they are vicious assholes. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason why wolves are very so often the villains in in fairy tale stories and shit. Yeah. It's um, not because the man is keeping the poor wolf down and trying to suppress his noble traits with propaganda. It's just because wolves are just assholes. Yeah, they're they're vicious, horrible creatures. Um, but not in Princess Mononoke. So Princess Mononoke is basically actually kind of scummy when you start examining it. And you start finding out that Hayao Miyazaki is actually kind of a dick. Which then holds up based on what we know about him. Yeah. Max, why don't you, why don't you tell him a little bit about the, the love, lovely, lovely man, uh, lovely, lovely man we're ta- dealing with in terms of his personal life behind oh, the scenes what kind of guy is this yeah you see you all remember of course his nice themes of family and friendship of oh childish wonder in the films but what kind of guy is Hayao Miyazaki actually in his private life well we have uh, at least we don't know much from what he says about his private life because he wisely likes to keep quiet about this but his son who Interestingly enough, it's also an animation. His son actually has uh, told us a lot about how his life was and what kind of a nice family man Hayao Miyazaki was. In a blog post by his son, which has uh, been translated, it's rather short, so I'm just going to read this to you real quick. He wrote this. uh, Hayao Miyazaki, to me, is zero marks as a father, full marks as a director. My father was almost never at home. That's why, for me, when I was a child, my mother had to fill in the place for my father. My father came home every day in the middle of the night, after I had already gone to sleep. 
He was always very conscientious in this regard. Apparently, no matter how late it was, he always made sure he came home. But almost every Saturday and Sunday, he was still at work, regardless. That's why, from my earliest awareness to the present day, I hardly ever had the chance to talk to him. He always came back when I was asleep, and when I left for school at eight o'clock, he was still asleep. That's why, when I was in elementary school, before going to school, I often used to go and look in the bedroom to see if my father was there or not. He threw himself completely into his work. Not only did he not look after the children, he never did a single bit of housework. So my mother did all that. You see, my mother was also an animator. But when my younger brother was born, just before I started getting into elementary school, my father changed workplaces, and his work got even busier than before. So the result was that in order to bring up his children,、uh, my mother had no choice but to give up being an animator. <laughs> Isn't that just adorable, people? <laughs> He's a bit of a prick.、Um... In contrast, I had to bring up Ichiro Oda again, who will frequently、uh, take time off to spend time with his family.、Uh, if I remember correctly, he also will bring his family into his studio to visit.、Uh, to compare the two, you see,、uh, Oda not only is actually creative and can tell a story and design a character, but、uh, he remembers that he has a family and he loves them. Maybe,、um, maybe Miyazaki's wife isn't that hot. <laughs> yeah, apparently Oda's wife is. Stupid hot.、Um, last picture I saw of her verified that. Let me just say this, folks: the women in One Piece,、uh, you may notice they change after a certain point. It's because he started basing them on his wife. <laughs> so basically, she looks like the women of One Piece.、Um, but with with Miyazaki, I I can't honestly understand, like fathom that. Like you don't at least. Say like, I mean, yeah, this is important, but I need to just take a weekend off and spend time with my family. I just need to remind the kids that I exist.、Um, when, when you, I mean, when your son has to go and check the bedroom, is, he exists. He still exists, right? He's got to pop in just to verify that you, you know, you're a thing. That's not good. It's not good times.、Um, but then you also have the fact that this guy won't allow anyone to take his place. Multiple times he has,、uh, let's say, threatened to retire,、um, and then whenever there's talk of、uh, maybe a new guard or the new Miyazaki, he comes right back in to work. Nuh-uh, there is no new Miyazaki.、Um, the worst is when his son was getting into the directorial business.、Um, even other directors were saying, like, "Wow, he's being a dick to his son." Yeah. <laughs> Miyazaki actually personally himself said, and I quote here, "I won't have a dynasty of animators." It's like he's saying it under the pretense like I won't do like just because of connections that my son gets to be that that great just because I'm his father or anything. But you know, ultimately, it's just you know, fuck that guy. I'm for, I'm number one here. Yeah,、uh, it, it was it was notable how shitty he was treating his son and giving him the cold shoulder when. There was a、uh, talk building up about、uh, Goro Miyazaki's new movie. Now Goro Miyazaki's new movie t- turned out to be lukewarm and not that great. Now all of a sudden, Hayao's talking to his kid again. Now that his kid's no longer a threat to his legacy, no, now he's talking to him.、Uh, he's a he's a he's a cunt.、Um, at one point, like he won some award here in America, but he would he refused to come accept it because we were involved in, in the Iraq War and.、Uh, Yeah, that's hilarious. Because you know he's not stereotypically hippie enough. 
It's like, yeah, because, you know, Hollywood is totally behind the Iraq war. Of course. Yeah, you really stuck it to us, Hayo. You really did your research. Again, verifying my belief that he is a blithering idiot. You really showed those filthy baka gaijin. The best way to show up George W. Bush was to shun Hollywood. Good fucking going. Yeah, we we all know Bush was very, very popular in Hollywood. <laughs> and they were the Iraq war was totally popular with the Hollywood crowd. Yeah. yeah. They were just sucking Bush stick left and right. You, and they they fucking loved that shit. You nailed that bit of social commentary, hi Al. Yeah. They just made already a dozen movies of other countries he could invade. <laughs> Stupid. Stupid man. Mr. President, who will we blow up next? <laughs> We're behind you 100%. I, I mean, like, but that, that, is all, that also kind of presents a nationalistic mindset, if you think about it. Because Bush is invading Iraq, and because uh, there are Americans that support his decision to invade Iraq... This must mean that all Americans are invading Iraq, that all Americans are involved with the invasion of Iraq, that all Americans are tied into its government's policy. Just shows this nice whole collective guilt theme again. Yeah. So basically what this all amounts to is that Hayao Miyazaki is a huge prick. He is an insufferable asshole, an unpleasant human being, and a crappy dad. Um... He sucks as a person. Yeah, he he can't tell a story, and he sucks as a person. His only worth is that he's really good at manipulating imagery to make you feel what he wants you to feel. In other words, he's a real-life (laughs) supervillain. He's a manipulative asshole. There's no other way to describe him. You can be flowery about his directorial abilities, but all everything amounts to, at the end, once all the... Votes are counted and everything's tallied. It comes out to him being a manipulative asshole. And that's pretty much Hayao Miyazaki in a nutshell. He's a dick who makes overrated, crappy movies that are inexplicably beloved. And I I can't think of any better way to describe the man. Or succinctly describe the man, unless you have anything else to bring up. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. He's ho- he's a horrible father, he's a horrible person, and he's a horrible storyteller. <laughs> he's horrible. So I'm sure there's going to be so many people. Well, I want to say I'm sure there's going to be so many people bitching and arguing and, and arguing semantics and saying how much of a visionary he is. But when I see these things, I often forget the other side's audience. Um, I'm sure we'll get one or two people uh, arguing this point. I don't think we'll... We might not get a lot of whole, a whole lot of people uh, flipping out. Yeah. By the way, looking forward to the butt hurt. Yeah, we're, there's going to be butt hurt. But um, like Asus will be devastated. I, I noticed because you said before we are in the interest of generating butt hurt, not participating in it, and you can see that that's also, that's that's been to our advantage to to a degree that uh, a lot of the people that would bitch have kind of moved on because we haven't indulged them. Because uh, we, we don't have time for their bullshit. So they go and play elsewhere and have fun with their ponies and their schoolgirls. Yeah. We just laugh at them and move on. Yeah. So uh, this is 
been to our, you know, you know, we've reaped the benefits of this, uh, and that we've sort of thinned out, and we, we still have a sizable audience. We get good ratings. We're one of the highest rated shows on this network. But, uh, I don't think we'll get a lot of bitching because we've, we tend to generate a more mature crowd. We'll probably get a couple people that disagree. But I'm actually curious to see if we'll get some people that uh, agree with me and also feel, feel like they've been taking crazy pills forever and say uh, – or even say, hey, you know, you, you might be right about this, but I disagree with XXX, you know, and uh, – and Look forward to our new line of the other side plushies, <laughs> which also have a string which you can pull that and say phrases. Like, for example, mine, if you pull two times, it says, I love the Jews. <laughs> That's not actually true. <laughs> oh, come on, man! I just vouched for you earlier. <laughs> I've got, I've got nothing against the Jews. I've got it's something against the Council of the Jews here in Germany, which is a large organization. That's for one reason and for one reason only, namely that whenever someone in Germany does something they don't like, they say Nazi. So they're basically the uh, German equivalent of uh, a lot of these uh, ethnic groups here in America. Exactly. They're, yeah, they're, they're like, pretty much exactly that. Their idea. That's all, I didn't even know you guys had. That's awesome. You have that over there. Because yeah. over here we got like, if, if there's a minority, they, then they have a group that will cry racism at any given opportunity. It's like, yeah, it's because you don't like we're brown or whatever. And you're like, I don't fucking know you. And <laughs> I, it's, I, I would, I used to joke. I wonder if Germany has the same thing with Jews. That if there are Jewish advocacy groups, like if there's a Jewish Louis Farrakhan out there, going around saying, it's the German man! Yep. <laughs> that, that's pretty much it. Like, the, the logic is because we're descended from Nazis, well, some, most of us are, it's like we have collective guilt and that we, that we need to work off forever and a day. And if we do anything that any Jew anywhere ever doesn't like, then that's because we're Nazis. See, that is so surreal because here in America, all the Jewish people we have are, like, apathetic and whiny. Like, uh, they, they turn the heat up here too much. I don't like the heat. Say, like, you don't picture Jews being giant assholes. Yeah. Well, your advantage is you okay. didn't have to kill the Jews, so therefore they have, no, they have nothing to bitch about. <laughs> like, over there where you are, they have shitloads of money. <laughs> oh, but even here, like, you don't see the Jews bitching about Germans. Uh, you don't hear them bitching about Nazis a lot over here. I guess, I don't know, that's, that's, that's kind of funny and surreal. I guess, uh, wherever you go, there's gonna be some asshole browbeating you about what your great, 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 great grandfather did, like you did it. Exactly. I guess the Jews that stayed here were simply the types that were like, oh yeah, trying to exterminate us, I'm gonna stay here and show you assholes. It's like when when my grandkids finally uh, when my future grandkids are gonna be adults, they're gonna give your grandkids so much fucking shit, you Nazi douchebags. <laughs> so it's, it's like if Inglorious Bastards, if the bastards were just using using words instead of weapons. <laughs> I learned something from this episode. I didn't even know that. So yeah, um, that's funny. So, we, like, so I guess no matter where you go, you're going to have adv- ad- advocacy groups of assholes blaming you for shit you yeah. didn't do. Yeah. Either because you're white or because you're black or because you're because of your nationality or because of your sexual orientation or because you don't prefer the brand of turtle wax that they use <laughs> or whatever it is. You're always evil because of the way that you were born. 
Yeah, which is delightful. So from all of us here at the other side, I'm Cody Byer. And I'm X Waiter. Saying, regardless of what some people may tell you, humans are actually pretty awesome. haven't been listening to the A3K network, here's what you've been missing. The Other Side, with Cody Byer and Max Vader. If you watch and enjoy Senran Kagura, you are a loser. That's just how it is. That's just the way of the world. It's the way of the world. That's the way of the world. You're a loser if you watch and enjoy Senran Kagura. Also, I, I think the boobs of the one on the lower right corner are kind of like connected in the middle. It's like they're fused into one half boob. Yeah, because like that, that area of the chest between the boobs doesn't seem to go all the way back down. Yeah, there doesn't seem to be a line there. It's like a walnut on her chest. And she's, she's got a bra made of shadow. It's uh, You're so into the boobs, but yet you don't know how they work. Fucking so, more so than any other show in this list, this is the loser show for loser people. I mean, good fucking Christ. The anatomy isn't even good. Yeah, I mean, how the hell do you get off of this? Just cause I, I've seen better drawings in like 50% of Dujinchis. Two guys and a mic with Jamir Durham and Mike Martinez. Could you bet, though, well, Walking Dead, Magical Zombie Edition. You fuck. <laughs> you just kill, you kill a you kill I don't want to be in that series. You kill a walker for The Walking Dead, and the walker's like, magical zombie, bitch. And you're like, why do we. You know, just bite me. Do it. Just do it. Nah, I'll let you wait. <laughs> I'll, <laughs> I'll let, let you, you wait, troll zombie. Let, troll zombie, I'm going to let you wait, and I'll bite you when you least expect it. What if I turn around with my eyes closed? Nah, every time you sleep. I'm going to be standing over you, stroking my own decapitated face. <laughs> I'm just going to be standing there watching you. Yeah, you sleeping. Maybe I'll bite you now. Maybe I'll bite you later. Maybe I'll bite you while you're on the bathroom taking a shit. <laughs> just like bust through the door while you're taking a dump. Just go, it's like, you were right. I really wasn't expecting this. I know. Meanwhile, my goal, every time I take a shit, shotgun in hand. <laughs> Manga Corner with J.D. Banks. That's one of the things Oda did really well with One Piece, is that he made probably the best ensemble cast for a manga since Dragon Ball. And I, thus far, I don't think anyone's really managed that quite as well. Bleach tried. It didn't get very far. <laughs> yeah. I think Fairy Tale actually, is really good. You yeah. know, because Fairy Tale, I think he learned from her One Piece. And, oh, I bet One Piece is great. It's, it's actually still very, very popular here in, uh, I'm, I'm in Okinawa, it's the island very last island mm. in Japan but it's really big here anything One Piece is like really popular but I think fairy tale is also like something that it's kind of grown into something that's a little a little more cohesive I think than One Piece yeah so I think uh, some characters I think he put more female characters that are like they're like a mainstay in fairy tale Ezra she's yeah, she's. I think she's really cool, but she's just like Zoro and these other sidekicks, you 
know, she's kind of like, she's really strong. She's stronger than these other people, but she has a poker face, but she actually has a really dark history, you know, behind her. And, and you kind of want to, you kind of want to understand why she wears armor all the time and why she's so, like, poker face. Bonus round with John Paul Matteson. His first day of school, he runs into Rika, who, as I've already mentioned, currently has Chunibyo. She's the girl in all the pictures with the eye patch. And, like, a lot of people, myself included, look at that and, like, wow, that's really stupid. Another show with a girl wearing an eye patch. But, as I've already mentioned, that's the point. People give her shit for wearing this eye patch because she doesn't need to wear an eye patch. In fact, under her eye patch is just her regular eye with a yellow contact. She calls it her wicked eye, and currently her main objective in life is to find the ethereal horizon. And she does this a number of ways. Most of them are bullshit, like walking to different parts in a park at a certain time of night and staring at the moon, or uh, she fights with her sister several times, and they animate that quite nicely, because even though they're not fighting like this in real life, they they animate it like it is a Magical Girl series, like it's a Monica Magica kind of fight. And so that was one of the things that grabbed me early on that I really liked about the series. A 3K panel with Sean Russell. Is there is something lost when you don't have to really work to find a good show, when you can just go onto a website and literally have every single anime ever created within a click? No. Because <laughs> you know, if you've ever had tapes of German dubs of Sailor Moon where the sound disappears when you fast forward them, <laughs> definitely nothing has been lost. But no, I don't. I don't mean as far as quality, but I mean as far as your appreciation of finding that series. Because to me, it's like it feels like there's just way too much out there for you oh, to. No, no. I mean, I think I, 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 I watched a hell of a lot between 2003 and 2005, and I think you reach a point where you realise. I think what you can then have a better separation of what was good and bad. Because in the 90s, I was buying loads of VHS tapes and not all of them were good but I was just buying it because it was anime but now I've seen a lot of anime and I can pick and choose more yeah it's great I don't have to just consume the limited morsels put on my plate see I slightly disagree because I felt back when I was recording them off the sci-fi channel I felt like they could just give me anything they would be able to give me anything and I would wake up the next day watch it and think it was the best thing ever so, I, I kind of get what you're saying, but obviously you had a much harder ride than I did. So, I don't know. It's, it's a tough one to call because there's nothing wrong with ease. The, the ease should be appreciated. So, yeah, perhaps I would have appreciated it less at the time if it was easier to find. Be sure to visit anime3000.com for daily audio and video programming. <laughs>